we can um, look at the Word today. Heavenly Father, we thank You for today. We thank You for Christmas time. We thank You for the joy that it brings to us uh, to be able to gather together in Your name and to celebrate Your Son, Jesus, and to celebrate all that He's doing in our lives. And I pray today uh, would be um, no different for us in that sense, that we would be, we would be coming together to honour You, we'd be coming together to praise Your name, and um, Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us, and I pray that your spirit would move uh, in our midst today. I pray that each one of us would be able to bring um, the things that are happening in our lives uh, to you, and that we'd be able to find some comfort, we'd be able to find some relief, we'd be able to find some peace and some hope and some joy. And we'd be able to find some consolation. We'd be able to find uh, in you and in your son, Jesus, everything that we need today. I pray that with all the things that are on our minds about um, Christmas, uh, the plans of today, the plans of tomorrow, um, Lord, I pray that you'd be able to help us to just set that aside for a moment and to give this time to you. Pray this in your precious name. Amen. Okay, who's been uh, waiting for a gift that they've really wanted this Christmas? Anyone? What have you been waiting for, Rick? A new mic stand. There you go. That's great. Anyone else been waiting for something? No? I've been waiting for, I'm getting a City Cave gift voucher, right? I don't know if you've heard of City Cave, but I want to go in one of those float tanks. I've done it once before, and it's really relaxing. Um, can't wait to go in it again sometime in the new year. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and um, it's like an intro introvert's dream to have an hour to themselves, you know, with no, you know, limited sensory uh, things going on. And I can just, you know, fall asleep and be at peace. <laughs> and so that's what I've been waiting for this Christmas. I know, um, you know, our kids have been waiting. They've seen the presents under the tree for some time and they've been waiting to open them. We actually let them open their presents last night. Um, yeah, I know, lucky them. It's actually just because I'm working today and, you know, we didn't want to make them wait till after church and so on. But anyway, Christmas time is often a time of waiting, waiting to see family, waiting to see friends, waiting to get presents. And today, the message we're looking at um, is about the idea that uh, God's people, the Jewish people, were waiting for their Messiah to come, right? And so um, we're going to look at one of the things we've been doing this Christmas Advent season is we've been taking a classic Christian hymn or a carol, and we've been um, looking at the words of it, and we've been saying, okay, what, what is it in this song that we can, um, you know, look at? What scripture founds this song that we can um, apply to our lives? And how does it point us to the story of Jesus? And so uh, we didn't sing it today, um, but the hymn we're going to do is called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Right, it's a great, it's a great one. I'm going to read it for you and um, just hear these words for a minute. It says, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Right, it was written in 1744, so you've got to just except that there'll be some thousand these. But it says, Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. 
Let us find our rest in Thee. Israel's strength and consolation. Hope of all the earth Thou art. Dear desire of every nation. Joy of every longing heart. Born Thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now Thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. So, does anyone know who wrote it? Charles Wesley. Good on you, Ash. Yeah, Charles Wesley wrote it. And his inspiration for that song was he was looking at the world around him. He saw a heap of orphans who were living around him. He saw a great class divide in 18th century Britain between the rich and the poor. And he was just thinking, man, come on, Jesus, where are you? You know, we need you. He was, he was desperate and it was out of that thought of looking at the world around him and the despair that people's lives are in. He was like, yep, we need Jesus. Um, and he wrote that the words of that uh, hymn, which has really become... Uh, a Christmas carol, you know, singing about Jesus coming, but also it's a, it's a song for Christians all throughout the year as well, you know, expecting the second coming of Christ as well and all that that will mean for us. And so today, um, some of these words, you know, particularly Israel's strength and consolation, it comes straight out of the passage we're going to look at. If you've got your Bibles there or your app, your version app on your phone, open up to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to be uh, having a look at a passage in there. Um, if you were a devout Jewish couple like Mary and Joseph were, there was a couple of things you, you needed to do after you'd uh, given birth, right? Particularly if, if you gave birth to a firstborn son, right? If your firstborn was a son, there were some things you had to do. The first, there were religious observances that the Jewish people had carried out for years and years. The first was the mother would have to um, go to the temple, offer a sacrifice for her purification. I'm not going to look too deeply into that, why, you know, I think giving birth is pretty, pretty amazing thing. Why she had to be purified after that, I haven't looked into it. But that's one thing she had to do, right? It was part of the Jewish custom. And so she'd go to the temple, offer a sacrifice. And so that's, that's one thing that they did. The second thing was you would dedicate your firstborn son to the Lord, right? It would be like a consecration of his life to the Lord. And um, this would not be, uh, this was something they did ever since they left Egypt. God's people came out of Egypt and God asked Moses to like make sure that this happened, right? He says, every firstborn amongst animals and livestock and even the children that are born need to be given to me. Right, And it's this whole idea that God gets our first and he gets our best, right? It's coming through. And so the animals, of course, would be sacrificed. That's fair enough. But our, uh, you know, Yahweh, the God of Israel, he's not into human sacrifices like other ancient Near East gods were. And so the life of the child would be dedicated to God as a living sacrifice. Like we're gonna, we're gonna dedicate this child, consecrate them, set them apart for you, God. You do with this child what you please, right? And so this was the custom. And this is what Mary and Joseph are doing in Luke chapter two. They've gone to Jerusalem with their newborn baby and they're carrying out these uh, observances, right? And so they're doing both of these things. And while they're there, they're greeted by two people 
who they probably weren't expecting um, to greet them on that day, right? Maybe a priest, maybe someone who was going to help them carry out their sacrifices and so on. But the first person who greets them is Simeon, right? A man called Simeon. The second is a lady and she's a prophet called Anna, right? And we don't really know much about these characters other than what's told us in the story. But both of them are representative of the heartbeat of the Jewish people of the, of the day, in Jesus' day, right? Ever since God's people have returned from exile in Babylon and they, they've rebuilt their temple under the likes of Nehemiah and Ezra and Zechariah and, and all of these people we read about in the Old Testament, they've been longing for a saviour. They've been longing for someone to be like King David. They've been longing for someone to uh, bring comfort and protection, longing for someone who would offer them wisdom like Solomon offered, you know, they've been longing for someone who could give them counsel, freedom in their lives, who would, who would break them free of the oppression of other world powers around them. They, this has been so much a part of the heart of the Jewish people over the centuries up until Jesus' day. They've been, they've been searching, praying for, looking for the one who would bring freedom and, and the one who had been promised to them in the Hebrew Scriptures, the one who had been prophesied about by all of the prophets through, through the years of God's people, they've been waiting for their Messiah, right? And so Simeon and Anna, re- these characters are representative of that group of Jewish people, right? And so in the mind of the Jewish people, the Messiah was like the ultimate trump card, right? It was like, yeah, well, you know what? When the Messiah gets here, everything's going to be sorted. He was like the cheat code to all their problems, right? Religious problems, political problems, uh, all, all of the issues that they had. It was like, man, when the Messiah comes, it's all going to be good, you know? And so it was much like the feeling that many Christians will have today about Jesus' second coming. Like, man, when Jesus returns, it's kind of like, man, that's our cheat code. I can't wait for that day. Everything's going to be sorted out. That Everything will be put into his hands, and so um, this is sort of how it was for Jews like Simeon and Anna in Jesus' day, right? They couldn't wait for their Messiah to come. Kind of like us waiting for our Christmas gift. The thing about Simeon was he'd been given the inside scoop, we're told, a little bit of intel from heaven. The Holy Spirit was upon him, we're told. And um, the Holy Spirit tells him that he would see the Lord's Messiah before he dies, right? That's what, that's what it says. It says in verse 25 of Luke chapter two, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. It's not like he was um, too cool for school, but he, was, he, was, he, was, he did everything God asked of him. And it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, right? There's the connection to the, to the Christmas carol, right? He was waiting for the consolation. You know, when, when you're being... Um, consoled. It's like you're being comforted. You're being, you're being given what you need. He was waiting for that person, the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. I think that's hard for us to capture the feeling that must have, um, you know, come upon Simeon as he, as he understood this, to know he was going to see the, the Messiah before he died. I don't think he would have told many people about it. They probably would have thought he's crazy. As if, you know, it'd be as if I stood before you and said, I know when Jesus is gonna come back, you know, and, and the Bible says, well, the Bible says no one will know, right? But in that day, 
maybe he could have got away with it. Maybe, you know, the, the Messiah was something that was prophesied about in the Scriptures, but people probably would have thought he was crazy for thinking so. And so why would God tell him over and above anyone else? You know, maybe that sort of attitude would have come about. But in verse 27, we get to see what happens when Simeon sees Jesus. And um, while it might have been pretty cool to have the Holy Spirit upon you, you know, and uh, maybe it would have been cool to have intel from heaven speaking to you about what God's doing on the, on the earth, about the promised Messiah. It's more likely the case that Simeon's been carrying this burden for some years, you know, not in a negative sense, but it's just probably weighed on his heart, waking every day, wondering maybe today is the day, you know, going to sleep at night. Oh, it didn't happen tonight. You know, in a real serious way, this is something he's been carrying with him for a lot of years. And it says in verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Kind of like a prompting, you know. And um, I was thinking as a little side takeaway of today's message, I hope that we could all be moved by God's Spirit to see Jesus this Christmas. You know, that's really what's going on here. Simeon's being moved by the Spirit to see Jesus, to see the Messiah. And it says, when the parents... Mary and Joseph brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. I wonder how that happened. You know, I wonder if Simeon saw him and just ran up and grabbed the baby. I don't know, maybe it was not like that. It's a funny picture in my mind. And this is what he, this is what he says as he praises God. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. That sounds like an old man speaking <laughs> to me. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So the Messiah was not just for the Jewish people, but Simeon even knows this is for all people. The light for all people has come. And he's so glad to have seen it. And he's like, okay, cool. I can, I can die in peace now. I can die a happy man. It says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. We know Jesus' life wasn't, wasn't all that easy, particularly towards the end. People wanted to kill him. You know, the, the religious leaders didn't agree with everything that he said. And... Simeon says this to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too, right? So it gets a bit dark and gloomy towards the end there about what Simeon is saying, but he's pretty much, this is the first reference in Luke's gospel to Jesus' death on the cross, right? He's saying this baby who's come as the consolation of Israel, who's come as the Messiah, the Saviour, there's a sense maybe Simeon knew in his heart this is going to go to a sacrifice, <laughs> you know, this baby, although... Um, the firstborns are not, not given as a sacrifice, maybe this one will. You know, maybe there was a sense in which he thought salvation is going to come from this one in that way. He's going to give up his life for us. You know, when he says, you may now dismiss your servant, it sounds like an old man just saying, finally, I can, you know, die a happy man. I can go in peace now. But the idea of that phrase is like someone being released from a burden or like a, a slave being released from their slavery. 
And um, it's an interesting thought. He's referring to the fact that he can now die a happy man having seen what God revealed to him, but also the idea of the relief that it brings to see Jesus for who he is. I think that could be a big part of the message that, that God wants to bring to us today. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. It seems like such a short introduction for what seems like a pretty amazing life that this lady lived, right? The prophet Anna is part of this group who is awaiting the Messiah. I wonder if all their prayers and fasting over the years have been geared towards the telling of and praying for the Messiah, you know, and, and for his coming. We're not told it was the case, but I wonder if she had the inside scoop as well. You know, maybe she had an inkling that, yeah, we're going to see him in, 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 in my time. She must have overheard Simeon and Mary and Joseph and, and their uh, discussions. And it says in verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She knew that this child was going to bring redemption. This child is going to bring what we need. I wonder what feeling of relief it must have been for one of God's prophets to see the one who'd been prophesied about actually in person, you know, born in our likeness, tangible, able to be held. There was no doubt a sense of relief, you know, a sense of uh, release even for Simeon and Anna. And I think that that idea of relief and release that God is wanting to, um, that's the thing that God's wanting to show us for ourselves today, right? All the things we're carrying into Christmas, all the difficulties that we've been carrying over this past year, all the concerns over COVID, all the concerns over um, our spiritual journey, any burdens that we've been carrying for our family, our, just our hopes and our dreams, our desires that we have for our life, you know, um, all of the stresses, everything that we've wished for in our lives, every concern with the world around us, right? It's pretty easy to get concerned. Every good and bad thing we're experiencing, we can find relief from it all in the person of Jesus, right? That's what the message of, Jesus, of Christmas is. It's like the one who can bring relief and consolation is here. And so whatever you're facing, whatever difficulty is going on in your life, Jesus is the one who can bring relief from that. To remind you of the words of the hymn, Jesus was born to set us free, right? To help us find release from our sins. You know, if there's been a burden of sin that you're carrying, if you could imagine, you know, holding on to Jesus, He's the one who can make you find relief from that burden. He came to deliver us. He came to, to give us comfort and to give us joy, to give us rest, to give us strength. The message of Christmas is that this baby in a manger grows up to become the one who sets us free, who brings relief in our life. And so the challenge at Christmas time now is, okay, 
We've got a lot of things on our mind. Yeah, sure, it's going to be a good time, get some good gifts and hang out with family and friends we haven't seen in a while. But, you know, the difficult things we're going through. We can pause today for a moment and say, God, I just need to give this to you. You know, almost like, um, you know, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. You know, that idea that Jesus' burden, his yoke is light. When we come to him and give ourselves to him, accept his death on the cross for us, his sacrifice as a firstborn son of God for us, we can find relief in that. And so that's my prayer for us this Christmas. My prayer is that we would be able to head into the new year feeling like the burden has been lifted by who Jesus is and what he's done for us, what we've been able to receive from him. So I want to invite you to pray with me, but to reflect on the burden you're carrying, the difficulty you're going through, the thing that you just, it could even be a positive thing that you're just hoping for and to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to place it in your hands. I'm going to ask you to just bring me relief in this thing that I'm going through in my life. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. You know, we see in Simeon and Anna, the relief that you can bring. Just um, the release that it was to be able to see you in a tangible way. To be able to see you as someone who could be held. To be able to see you as someone who will live a life that's not easy. And everything that we go through, all our hopes and fears and dreams and desires and difficulties can all be met in you, God. And so with that, God, we want to ask for a sense of relief to come upon us today, that we could trust in you, we could, we could give to you everything that we need to give to you, God. We pray this in your precious name.